Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Guy Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sign Guy with you, Coach Mike, I believe, may be joining us in a little bit, but he's on assignment in Puyallup, Washington today. Real fast before we jump into things with our guests. Tonight, if you're looking for some professional wrestling, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, like usual. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. SWF in Tullahoma, Tennessee. The Tyler Scott Birthday Bash in Danville, Indiana. XVW in Dayton, Ohio. AWR in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Lucha Libre and Laughs in Denver, Colorado tonight. Tomorrow night, Emerge Wrestling in Columbus, Indiana. BPW in Owensboro, Kentucky. New Wave Pro in Terre Haute, Indiana. Envision Wrestling in Vincennes, Indiana. UWC in Bordertown, New Jersey. And Defy Wrestling in Seattle, Washington tomorrow night. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guests today. They are out of the West Virginia area. We have with us today handsome Nick Hamrick and his manager, A. Dick Vickers. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Well, I will give the two of you our Standard traditional first-timer question, since it is your first appearances on our show. I will start with the manager side of things. So, Mr. A. Dick Figures, how did you get started into the world of professional wrestling? Um, You know, I went to a bunch of local shows, and I thought, you know, hey, something I'd be interested in doing, and I looked up. Uh, some schools in the area, and I chose the Power Slam Academy because um, I'd always been a f- uh, fan of Chance Profit, and I knew that it would be, you know, a quality school to be trained at. So I sent him an email and did the tryout, and I've been a student ever since. And same question for you, handsome one. Yeah, mine kind of goes a lot further back. Um, You know, growing up, I'd always wanted to do it, tried to do it, got probably some bad training from some, uh, you know, people who meant well. They just probably weren't trained long enough or or properly themselves. But, you know, I, I did a lot of the backyard stuff in high school. And then I hung it up for probably a decade and you know I even went to school in Charlotte for college and um you know I went to a couple 
seminars down there with George South. Still didn't pull the trigger then. That was, you know, seven, eight years ago. And about three years ago, I just, uh, you know, I, I just always had that urge, you know, that, that longing to do it. Like, you know, it was just something that hadn't been checked off. And so I just said, hell with it, screw it. You know, if I don't do it now, I'm going to be too old. I'll never do it. So I did it and kind of the same story as um, Adick, you know, started looking around. And when I was, some of the problem I faced early on is there wasn't a lot of good quality schools around you know, in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. And thank God for, you know, Chance Profit, you know, having Pirate Slam Academy because they really, uh, you know, they gave me my chance. So, and here we are. Chance Profit, one of the very, very best on the independent circuit. So that was a good choice to have as a teacher. I couldn't oh, agree more. In fact, you, you know, I, I grew up watching him, you know, a lot in this area. So I was lucky enough to work on a show or two with him in Kentucky years ago. Always a big fan of his work. Now, the two of you, like I said, are in the West Virginia area, and that area was a traditional hotbed for the Crockett promotions for many, many years and sort of an NWA stronghold in that area. A lot of times, even today, a certain area's fan base will tend to gravitate towards what the fan base liked from when it was a territory. So, People in the upper Midwest tend to like AWA-style technical matches more. If they're in the New York City, New Jersey area, you see a lot more of the entertainment base get popular with fans, so forth, so on. In your own experiences, and I will start with Nick on this one since he's got more experience, do you see that same thing out of the fans where they tend to gravitate towards more of the old Crockett era style of wrestling or do you see that they're a little bit more open to different styles of professional wrestling today? Um, I, I think that you know, for years you did see that the classic Crockett and you still see that those types of fans because we do have a lot of small towns um, and, and I honestly you know, I, I love wrestling in West Virginia because we do have some of the best wrestling fans. You know, almost any town you can go in there and work, and it, it's it's an it's an easy night because they just take whatever you know entertainment as long as it makes sense, uh, and they eat it up. Um, but I think here lately, really in the past. I'd say five years or so, maybe six, seven, you've seen a change in culture, um, especially in the bigger towns like Charleston, um, Morgantown, especially up north uh, towards Pittsburgh. 
and Pennsylvania border. Uh, you you have the fan base that definitely gravitates towards you know the the more modern style, you know the, the flips and the you know the more high flashing um, style. So it, it is becoming a mixture, but um, there's something for everybody here. Even the deathmatch fans are here, so it's a great state to wrestle in. Hey, Dick Vickers, what do you think about that? Do you see kind of the old-school Crockett-era fans kind of being the majority, or do you see more of a mix of the modern sports entertainment fans, especially coming from a manager's perspective where you're going to be right there next to the fans? What do you see as far as what the fans' taste are in that area? I feel like it's a good mixture. Uh, it has a lot to do, like Nick said, where the promotion at is at, and I feel a lot with the promotions. Um, we have ASW, which is a lot more traditional with the Crockett in line with that. Um, we have Pro Wrestling Conquest, which is a little bit more uh, contemporary. You know, IWA that has more of the hardcore deathmatch. So even with being a small area and a uh, smaller state, I feel like there's enough flavors that you can go one place, get something different, as go to another place with promotions. But I feel, especially further south, like in Beckley and a lot of the cold fields, it's a lot more of the, the NWA Crockett style they like, which works for me because, and Nick and I, because I feel like that's what we kind of gravitate towards a little bit more. For sure. I'm sure the two of you are not always on the uh, favorites list of the fans. Uh, Sometimes you might do things that make the fans a little bit less than happy with you, but everyone's got that moment in their career where something happens with a fan that stands out to them as one of their favorite memories, whether it's signing that first autograph or having a fan (laughs) tell you how much they enjoyed you or whatever it is. There's always that one Mm -hmm. moment that resonates. Nick, do you have that? Yeah. Fan I'll, moment that stands out for you I'll, I'll is take, the most special. Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, <laughs> there has been this lady. We we do a lot of shows in Northern West Virginia, and now we got a couple of shows coming up in Maryland. Um, but we work that area, you know, around Cumberland and Martinsburg. And there's this lady that comes to, it doesn't matter what promotion it is, if it's like within an hour, you know, radius, she's going to come to a wrestling show. She's just a a good old classic. And she's one of those old Crockett NWA fans types. And she absolutely hates us. And I love it. Well, she says she does. I don't believe it. I, I, I will admit, I think she's got a thing for you, A. Dick, but can't, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I definitely believe she hates me, but 
you know, we keep running into her, and that makes it fun. And I've had a lot of fun with Adick. You know, we'll be out to a gas station you know, on the road or, you know, going out after a show, going to dinner at a bar. And, and you know, she really likes to give it to him. She likes to harass him. Uh, she doesn't hold any punches. And I'm like, there she is. You know, and a couple of times, you know, he, he's falling for it. So it makes it makes it fun. Now, things might be a little different for you, uh, A. Dick, just because managers oftentimes are not looked favorably upon by the wrestling fans. But do you have that moment where something happened with a fan that stands out is particularly memorable for you? Yeah, there there's a promotion in Ashland, Kentucky, ECC, and um, I love Andy Kaufman. He's I think what him and Jerry Lawler did is probably one of the greatest things in pro wrestling. It you, I, I it took me a long time to realize that that was all a work. It wasn't because to me that was the most realistic feud in wrestling, and he used to do. Um, demonstrations of, of how to bathe. So I have business cards and I taped them to bars of soap and I handed them out the, the next time that we went to that promotion and people were throwing them back in the ring. Nick thought somebody <laughs> hit me with one of them so he just whizzed it right back at them. I mean, it was... It was... I had really... We made them mad. And we were able to cut a promo, and one of the the veterans complimented us on it. So that was both with the fans' reaction and also the veterans' reaction to how well that was received. Probably one of the more memorable things for me. It felt like I we had done everything right at that point. Oh yeah, they hate us the Nationals. Or Ashland, shall I say. Yeah. You mentioned a veteran complimenting you. One of the great things about professional wrestling, if you're in the business, you will often work with people that were at the highest level of the industry on the independence uh, guys that were on television maybe even just a few weeks ago will pop up next to you at the local armory or high school gym or what have you and be a co-worker for a night. I know you've been on shows with some bigger names, but what would you say is the biggest name that you worked with directly on a show. We'll start with A. Dick Vickers for this. Uh, directly? Um, I'm trying to think. We, I don't think – you might want to ask Nick about that because I know I've had to sit some you, sit some shows out and he's had more. Do you mean an actual uh, match or do you mean just on the card? Um. More so on the card where you just you were on the show working directly with the talent. 
Go ahead, A. Dick. You can answer yours, and I'll I'll answer I mean, mine. I, I, I would think that would probably be uh, Devon Dudley, and that was that was recent. We were on a card with him. Um, Jerry Lawler was supposed to be on it, but just due to the weather, he couldn't make it. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think through uh through the shows. I mean, there's been a lot. Um, you know, we've gotten to be on a show with Rock and Roll Express, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, A Dick wasn't for this, but my premiere, you know, my actual debut, um before I actually met A Dick, uh, the show was headlined by Juventud Guerrero. So, you know, that being your first show ever and I actually sit right across from him in the locker room. I mean, that was just, <laughs> I mean, that was freaking awesome. Um, but, you know, I'd say probably most recently, yeah, the Devon. Uh, we, you know, we worked with shows with Pondo, um, you know, Madman Pondo. Um, which I'm trying oh, to think. Yeah, War Horse. Um, there's been a lot of good ones. I mean, uh, the Shane Douglas, the franchise Shane Douglas. Um, yeah. There, there's more that I'm probably leaving out, but yeah, it's a good, good problem to have is when you you start having so many shows you you can't remember them all. Most definitely. You mentioned Madman Pondo, and for people that know Pondo, we all know that he is not what you would expect if you judge him strictly from what you see in the ring. Uh, He does a lot of the ultraviolet matches, and he's famous for blood and guts and weapons and that sort of thing. And more recent time he's done a little bit more comedy in his wrestling but people always think he's this hardcore brutal guy but he has a very very good mind for wrestling business he's very smart in general genuinely good guy he doesn't drink or smoke or do drugs anything like that like a lot of people would presume what was your first impressions of Madman Pondo and how do they compare to what they became after you got to know him a little bit? Uh, For me personally, you know, you know, Pondo didn't know me um, as a teenager or, you know, kid, but, you know, I knew him. You know, I, I went. I remember going to IWA East Coast back when it was at South Charleston Rec Center, and watching Madman Pondo, you know, wrestle there. And you know, a lot of them guys, uh, you know, including Chance Prophet, Smokey C. You know, the list goes on. I, I grew up wanting. You know, I, I thought. You know. And growing up, I never knew if I could make it to, like, the WWE or something like that. But, you know, I felt like, you know, it would be an honor and a dream to one day wrestle those guys. And, 
so they actually like share a locker room with Honda and, you know, got to talk to him and get to know him. And he's, you know, he's a wonderful person. I mean, you know, I remember a line he said to me, the first show I ever helped out, like getting back into business and like paying my dues and just started training. I'm there doing security at a, or at a future fight show. It was Future Fight's first show, um, kind of brought to you by IWA East Coast, but it's not under their banner. Um, they just kind of sponsored the event. But they had a lot of big-name talent on that event. Uh, Sam Adonis was on there. Um, I think Sky Blue was on there. Uh, Madman Pondo, of course. But there was a couple others. I think Damian Chambers might have been. I'm, I might be wrong about that, but I think he was. But uh, I came back to Pondo, and I introduced myself, shook his hand, and, you know, uh, you know, Pondo went on about his business. Very, really nice. And then later on the show, um, you know, I asked him if he needed anything. And he was like, yeah, I need somebody to do this in the show. And it was basically, you know, a a spot with, you know, a chair. And I I couldn't have been more honored. But um, at that point, you know, I asked him, like, you probably don't remember me. You know, I I met you several times as a fan. And he he said, no, kid, I've been hit in the head quite a bit. So I don't remember a lot of shit. (laughs) And, you know, that line, I – I stole it. I, I use it all the time now. You know, I just plead the fifth. Like, I've played football, hockey. I'm a wrestler. I've boxed. I've been hitting the head a lot. I, I can't remember much shit. <laughs> but he's an awesome, awesome man. Hey, Dick, do you have much experience with Mad Men Pongo to kind of compare and contrast expectations versus reality? I mean, you know, he does have – I that hardcore I haven't had as many run-ins as Nick has but you know every time I've seen him he's always had a smile on his face I guess is the best way you know he what he does in the ring and then outside I've always seen him you know with a smile on his face I've seen him you know at ASW I even once I happened upon five dollar wrestling when it was in West Virginia and I got a thought I got to see him see him there with his involvement with that. And like I said, I know Nick's had a lot more, but just seeing him, you know, when in the audience and outside of the room, he's always had a, a smile on his face to me. For sure. Like if I was booking a show, even if I wasn't like having Pondo in a match, I'd want him there just for morale. I mean, he, he you know, he instantly makes the show better just being in the locker room. Everybody just elevates their game. Absolutely. Today being Black Friday, we know that a lot of people start their holiday shopping on this day. And, of course, wrestling fans usually have a lot of items on their list for the gift-giving occasions that are wrestling-related And a lot of people, especially at the independent wrestling level, rely on merchandise sales to really boost their overall income from wrestling. A lot of people make more 
off of merchandise than they do the actual booking of an event themselves. Do you two have merchandising out there that fans could get for all their gift-giving occasions this year? Absolutely. Uh, I know Adick's got, uh, you know, T-shirts at um, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com, and we're working on that for me. Um, and then, but as as far as my merchandise, mine's all on my Facebook page. There's wrestling slam buddies. There's, um, you know, T-shirts, of course. There's posters. There are autographs. There's trading cards. Um yeah, so you can head on over to my Facebook shop, and you know it's all there um, for sale. Uh, so yeah, we got a lot of good stuff for sale for the holidays, for sure. Yeah, I have the the pro wrestling tees. I'm was hoping I submitted three T-shirts designs, so I'm waiting them to get approved. You can go to mine. I mean, also other people. That we work with, um, you can go to Chase Bennett's for wrestling tees. You can go to Troy Parker. I work with them in Stranglehold. He's got a Stranglehold T-shirt up. Just you know, all theirs are also something to look into as wrestlers. Their store, buy something from them, help help everybody out. Now, as people that are in the business that were fans of the business. I'm sure you've gotten a gift or two over the years that was wrestling-related. What's your favorite gift that you've received in your lifetime that was wrestling-related? That was wrestling-related? Well, <laughs> hey, I wish you asked me that wasn't wrestling-related. My, my my ex wouldn't have liked this, but, you know, I got a... I got a pair of panties one time. That was pretty funny. But uh, wrestling related, I, uh, gosh, you know, I'll be honest with you. We don't get very many gifts. And if they are, they're not from kids or, or, you know, fans. It's usually from people we go out from, you know, afterwards. Because they hate us. I mean, we, we do a good job of pissing everybody off, so the merchandise tables they just come by to basically tell us off and last thing they want to do is give us any gifts they want our autograph though now do you see a lot of people that want the autographs specifically so they can tear them up in front of you when you come out for your match hey Dick did that happen once no, I don't think so. I'd like it to happen because they're buying it regardless. I think I told somebody they could, they could buy it. And yeah, it that wouldn't hurt my feelings. They could do, they could buy it, and I, that's what, after they bought it, I didn't care what they did with it. I yeah, just wanted their knew, money. Yeah. One of the things in pro wrestling that a lot of people have gotten into lately is streaming shows. A lot of independent companies have gotten on board with live streaming of their shows, whether it is on the independent wrestling television network or 
powerbomb.tv or YouTube or whatever service it may be. You, of course, have the larger companies like Impact and WWE that have their own streaming services. On the independent level, there is the mindset that streaming shows can perhaps hurt the live attendance and the box office of a show because fans will sit at home and watch the show for free rather than going to the local arena and paying for a ticket. Some people think it helps promote and grow the fan base and brings in revenue sources from that. We'll start with Nick since he's got the more experience. Do you think that overall at the independent wrestling level streaming is a positive or do you think it potentially can hurt things? Oh, I... I really, I don't see how it's going to hurt things. I feel like any exposure to a broader audience is best for whatever company is trying to achieve that. I mean, that that's the whole goal of, you know, you want to perform. You know, that that's why wrestling was the one source of entertainment that kind of survived through the whole COVID deal. You know, yeah, we saw how important the audience, the live audience was. It, it was a little bit, you know, um, you know, less entertaining without the live audience. But at the same time, like, the whole goal was to reach a broader audience as most people as you can. So speaking from a performer standpoint, you know, we got a studio show coming up with ACW later, you know, this month. I, I, there's probably going to be 10, 15 people in the you know studio. It's just going to be live stream, and there'll probably be you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people watching on the live stream. So that to me is still going to excite me just the same. Um, plus, we're trained as professionals, whether it's five people, whether it's a hundred, you know, whether it's a thousand or more to go out there and give the very best show we can. Um, do I think it's going to hurt live attendance? No, because I feel like wrestling is one of those deals that, and that's why when COVID was listed, you've seen it just immediately pick back up and bounce right back. The fans were dying to come back and see it. Like they, they love watching it all the time, live, you know, on, at home, uh, streaming it. That's just because – you know, if you're a fan of wrestling, you love it. You love to watch it, period. But if you had the choice, you know, to to watch this live, or, you know, I think it's like anything. You know, NBA, NFL, racing, you know, whatever you're watching, I think if you had the choice to watch it live, you're going to always choose to watch it live. Oh. Hey, Dick Vickers, you might have a little bit different perspective on it. Being a manager, I'm sure it's much harder as a manager without fans around to kind of feed off of and interact with doing what you do. Do you think that the streaming kind of affects the business, or do you think that streaming at the independent level enhances it? I mean, if there's crowds and it's streamed 
it, it only helps. I can see, you know, no crowds. It was tough watching a lot of the events that had no crowds and just, you know, stream. There had to be some some crowds with interactions, but it's the the best part about it is you can be in a small town, and if it's streamed, you have so many more eyes on you where you'd only have those 20 people. You know, you have those 20 people plus somebody that might just randomly come across that promotion on IWTV, on Fight Plus, on whatever the the platform might be. So you're just reaching out. And even, I mean, look how great even if you can get a GIF out there on on the, on Twitter or anything to just get more eyes on you there, how much that helps out. So to me, it's just the more eyes, the better. Fair enough. I think you're always going to have the same fans coming back, you know, for more. So, yeah. That's always the hope and dream. Yeah. I mean, VHS didn't kill movie theaters, so you always want to go to a movie theater for the experience of seeing it on the big screen, just like seeing the experience Good point. in person. One of the things in wrestling that often gets overlooked as far as the importance of it is the role of the wrestling referee. A good referee can help salvage a bad match a lot of times. They can lead things. A bad referee can sink a good match and interfere with what was happening and cause all kinds of chaos if they don't know what they're doing. And on the independent level, you see an extreme range of abilities and knowledge base out of the referees. I'm sure you've seen the gamut. We'll start with Nick. Did you ever have a referee that really didn't seem to know what they were doing that adversely affected your match? Let me tell you something. There's a couple of refs that I respect and that I've gotten along with, but most of them I don't get along with. And I got a real problem. You know, they're always trying to check me before the match, you know, see if I have any weapons on me. We try to pay them off. I mean, we, we, we don't pay them in fives and tens. We pay them in hundreds. And they, you know, they got some honor, morale code about them. You know, no, I can't do that. So, right off the bat, we don't see eye to eye. And then they're always counting slow. They're always trying to accuse me of doing things. You know, I mean, they're always trying to count the five count. Now, they'll count that super fast. Yeah, if I have somebody in the corner, they'll they'll just and you know, a lot of our record is misconstrued. If you look through our statistics, you'll see that a lot of the matches we should have won and we did win, but it was bad refing was the problem. So Sometimes yeah, they're too I'm good sorry, at their job. Shut up. Huh? Sometimes they're too good at their job. Always well, watching, never we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Well, yeah, we'll agree to disagree. But let me tell you something. I'm not a fan of refs, and 
I'll shut up now. If it was my opinion, if I had it my way, I would have no referee. Just man versus man, let's go in there, and whoever walks out, walks out. Maybe I need a steel cage match. Perhaps. Now, speaking of the steel cage match, we know that a lot of times promoters will add stipulations to matches to up the stakes of a match or to try to help settle a feud between wrestlers or just to drive interest amongst the fans. We've seen any manner of different stipulation matches pop up throughout the years. Anytime a major promotion will come up with a concept for a stipulation match, you will see it copied quite a bit on the independence. A lot of times the reverse is true. What's the strangest stipulation match that you've been a part of personally? Strangest? Luckily, we we worked for a lot of promotions that, you know, they have been able to make things make sense. You know, they believe in that kind of old code. It's got to make sense, good versus bad, like to tell storylines. So I, I haven't been a part of anything too crazy. I mean, we've been a part of the last man, a couple last man standing matches. Um, they got you know, pretty, um, probably the craziest matches is honestly just like a five, six way dance. That's just like a, you know, not a battle royal or nothing. Just, you know, a tornado. We've been a part of some, I think even seven, maybe six, seven man scrambles. And those are just crazy because you got so many bodies in the ring. Um, you know, you turn around, you think you got the upper hand, and all of a sudden somebody comes out with a flying elbow and knocks you out for five minutes, and the match is over, and you don't even know what the hell happened. So, but no WCW, you know, coal miner's glove on a pole matches or nothing. I have been on a few of those here in Portland because that was a very, very popular stipulation during the. Don Owen Portland Territory days. Oh, hey, Dick Vickers, what about you? Have you had many stipulations put on you? Because I know a lot of times promoters will add stipulations that directly involve stakes for the manager, whether the manager has to wear a dress the next month or the manager gets alone with the wrestler for five minutes or what have you, any number of stipulations I've seen out there. Have you had any of those happen to you so far? No, I've been lucky that they haven't been far enough to do any of that. They haven't wanted to bar me for ringside, put me in a dress, shave my head, nothing weird. You know, five minutes alone, nothing like that. So I've been, if I may intervene, ADIG does what he wants. It doesn't matter. They're not going to put any stipulations on him or put him in a box. It doesn't matter. He's going to keep on doing his thing, and his his mindset is the hell with him. 
Well, hopefully that continues. I know managers usually have a hard time in those matches, it seems like. I know the winning percentage overall in the history of wrestling does not favor the manager. He trained one of uh, what is it you trained uh, a dick? Was it uh, jujitsu? Yeah, I did jujitsu for for doing jujitsu for a little bit. So I have a little yeah, bit of a, a combat. I've I've seen this man roll with with men twice his size. You know, wrestling, real shoot wrestling. And he's not been pinned, held his own. In fact, even pinned in. So he, uh, they can put him in a dress, put him in a cage, hang him from the, you know, rafters. He'll break out of it, I'm sure. One of the great things about professional wrestling, if you're lucky enough to have promoters that go the extra mile, is a lot of shows have catering. A lot of promoters will bring in food and beverages for the wrestlers, especially if it's going to be a particularly long day where they're required to be there for several hours and not really have a chance to leave the venue. Of course, the big national companies always provide catering whenever they have live shows, but at the independent level... It's not uncommon anymore as well to see promoters bring in food and drinks for the talent. Do you, in your area, get a lot of shows that have catering available? Yeah. I mean, you know, in our area, probably the two best that our personal experience has been with is ASW and IWA East Coast. Both of those shows were fully catered. Um, and, you know, actually, we got a show coming up with ASW, but we did a seminar with them, a Rhino seminar. They had him there, and they had food there. But ATCW is another one that's up towards, like, Kearneysville, Martinsburg, West Virginia, near Pennsylvania area. And they always have, you know, catered food for the wrestlers as well. So, uh, hey, did, can you think of any more? No, I, I can't think of, you know, any more. I mean, I think ATCW might have had, the, you know, they already they have fried chicken, they've got sandwiches, they've got a little bit bigger of a spread than the other ones. Yeah. It definitely makes it nice. Of course, in our industry, a lot of the talent is very diet conscious, and you see wrestlers that are very, very consumed with monitoring every calorie, every carb, you see wrestlers that adhere to certain fad diets in order to maintain their look and their conditioning. What would you say, based on what you've seen in locker rooms and at the catering tables, is the strangest diet 
a wrestler has had. <laughs> Beast man. Um, you know, I, I saw him eat a couple hot dogs one time before a match, and you know, I, I like a good hot dog, but like, you know, I, I'm the guy that watches what I eat, low sugar, you know, high protein, nothing but water, meat and vegetables, you know, and to watch somebody eat a couple hot dogs before a match, it was like, bro. I can I honestly respect you. <laughs> if I had ate that, I'd be blowing chunks halfway through. So I don't know how the you know how some guys can eat pizza and hot dogs before a match. I actually worked with a guy who looks like he's carved out of granite. Looks like a Greek statue. I figured that he ate steamed vegetables and chicken and that was pretty much it after a show we went to a waffle house of all things he basically ordered page two and ate every single <laughs> bit of it i've never seen anything like it yeah i know guys like that and i'm not one of them i mean i in fact one of my best friends he'll go to sheets every morning and order you know a coffee with all the works and everything and it probably has a thousand grams of sugar in it and I tell him, if I even look at that, you know, I, I gained five pounds of pure fat. Uh, so, for me, I got to work hard at, to keep my physique and stay in shape. It, it doesn't come naturally, unfortunately. One of the more unfortunate parts of our business is just something we all accept is going to happen to us at some point in time if we're in for very long. That being injuries, everybody gets that occasional bump and cut and so forth. Sometimes it's more serious. Bones are broken. Concussions are had. Shoulders are separated, dislocated, things of that nature. What are some of the injuries that either you directly had yourself or someone on a show with you had that you witnessed them get? Uh, you know, me personally, I'll let, I know Adix dealt with some stuff, so I'll let him take over after me, but I, uh, I see, I, I deal with a lot of little nagging injuries, so little things, you know, I've learned to work around them and work through them to where it hasn't kept me from, you know, training or, or, or you know, um, still performing, you know, thumbs, toes, things like that, um, that you're able to tape up and, and work through, but I did have to take off about gosh, four or five months due to a shoulder uh, collarbone issue. I broken my collarbone um, and didn't, you know, I, I didn't really know it. And then I also had a separated shoulder. And then it just, I had worked through it and worked through it. And finally it just got to the point where, we had a break in the schedule coming up to where, you know, I, I could, you know, take some time off and, 
you know, it was getting to the point where I was just going to have to go, like, deal with it. So that's what we decided to do. Uh, went and dealt with it. And instead of doing surgery, they had me do physical therapy, and I stayed off basically under their care for four or five months. And, it, you know, it's it's held up great. It's, it's done fine since. Um, so other than that, though, I've been – I've been really lucky and, and healthy, um, even through all the COVID stuff, you know, when we were having to test every week and we were doing shows then, I would be clean. It was, uh, uh, I've been blessed. Hey, Dick, what about you? Have you either dealt with injury or seen an injury from your spot as a manager? Luckily, I haven't seen any injuries. I mean, I was injured early on. Um, I was beefing off at the beach, and I tore my labrum. So that that led to a lot of the deciding to be a manager that, because that took probably a full year to recover from from me beefing off. Um, but luckily, it's been blessed, nothing in the ring. I haven't really seen anybody get injured. I've been lucky in that aspect. Always a rough day at the office when you see somebody suffer a severe injury. Obviously, the two of you being manager and protege, uh, you go to a lot of places together, I'm sure. What is the farthest traveling you've done to get a booking? Uh, that would probably be uh, probably be like this place called Kearneysville. It's, it's almost to it's honestly only a couple hours from uh, Delaware. Um, it's weird like up there in the northern panhandle of West Virginia, same state, <laughs> but it's all—it's about six hours away. Um, yeah, it's closer it's to right Maryland, there. really, than yeah, Maryland, Pennsylvania, that area. Um, but we've got some bookings coming up that are about that same distance to Tennessee. Uh, one actually in Maryland, so you know we. We were trying to uh, broaden out, um, so. Now, when you go to Carneysville, do you find that a lot of the people there speak Carney? <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, I, I really, I remember the first show we ever did up there in that area. And I, we, it was in a barn, of all places, at a campground. And it was pissing the rain. And I, I told Adick, I said, man, <laughs> I said, I don't know how many people are going to be here. And I don't care. And I remember this. I'll never forget this. One of our first shows me and Adick had together. And it's a very special story to me because... Everyone's had that that position they've been put in to where 
at one point in their life to where somebody has basically either mocked them or doubted them or, you know, just didn't believe in them and, and called them out. And you either have to rise to the occasion or, or you are what they what they think and what they say. And we walk in, and, and the promoter looks at me, and he says, you Nick? And I say, yes, sir. And he says, who's this? And I said, this is my manager, Adick. And he just looks down at his paper and laughs. Huh. How many matches you had? You already have a manager? I said, you know, it doesn't matter how many matches I've had. He's my manager. Okay, whatever. You know, we go in the match. We tear the house down. You know, not just me and A-Dig, me and my opponent. We we just had the best match on the card. Uh, you know, not bragging. It's just it is what it was. And the promoter that mocked us walking in and laughed, came in and said, man, that was, that was, where are you from? Well, who trained you? By the way, I've only told him this four or five times prior to this. But now he was interested, and it, you guys, that's unbelievable. I can't believe it. That was, that was the best match I've seen in such a long time. Awesome job. You know, just right in front of the whole locker room. So that was pretty pretty damn cool. Um, but as far as the fans, the reason I told that story and brought it up is that we went in the locker room right after we met the promoter, and we didn't come out until it was our match. And we walk out, and I even remember as we walked into the place, an old man approached me and said, we got 15 people here. And I said, oh, like people to help set up the ring and stuff? And he said, no, spectators. And I was just like, oh, hell, it's going to be a terrible. All right, whatever. So we walk out through the curtain, music hits, boom. This place is filled. There's there's probably 300, close to 300 people um, in this bar. I couldn't believe it. In a rainy campground in the middle of nowhere. And they were loving it. That's tremendous. Glad to hear that. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show today, so I want to make sure each of you get ample time to plug and promote anything you would like to plug and promote, say anything you'd like to say. We'll go managers first, say Dick Vickers, anything you want to plug, promote, say, floor is yours. I mean, we have next week. I know Nick will probably say say the same thing. We have a show in uh, Bluefield with uh, PWL. It's a benefit show for uh, the Maestro from WCW. Um, at the Power Slam Academy. They're going to start having uh, small small shows around twenty people starting uh, in December, and they'll last hopefully. For a long time, and that will hopefully be fine. I'm thinking maybe IWTV, possibly with streaming or at least on YouTube, so you can watch that. I'll be working. I'm trying to get a faction going along of shoot wrestlers of Chase Bennett and Joy Parker. Um, I know that they have a lot of shows coming up to look at them. Um, 
I'm going to be on vacation, so I'm going to be missing out the last few shows Nick has this year, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'll I'll take over on that. Um, on that note, I, I want to make a big announcement. It's regarding IWL. Um, me and A. Dick, we're going to be releasing the press conference in the next couple of days. You can look for that on our YouTube, Facebook, Twitter pages. Addressing what happened between me and Chris Slade and Warwolf at the previous event for IWL in Martinsburg, West Virginia, and how we were robbed of the world title and how we're the actual real world heavyweight champions. And, um, yeah, there's a big announcement coming for that, and I think everybody will be interested in uh, tuning in for that. Of course, we've got the PWL show, like you said. We've got a FTC show, um, and I think it's uh, Ports, Portsmouth, Portsmouth, whatever you want to call it, Ohio. I don't really have a lot of respect for that town, but uh, either way, FTC's paying me, so we're going to show up and we're going to rock the house like we do. And then uh, we've got a couple, another date with ACW, Appalachian Championship Wrestling. Um, we'll finish the year with them here in Charleston. And then you can look for us in 2023. We've got a lot of dates coming up there. We're going to be in Tennessee. We're going to be in ASW All-Star Wrestling uh, here in uh, you know West Virginia. Um, last but not least, I do want to tell everybody you can vote for me for the FTC Debut Wrestler of the Year Award. That's going to be given out uh, December 10th. So go online to their website, their Facebook, FTC wrestling and you can vote for me there and uh i'll end on this note um there is five guys five wrestlers that i'm hoping that will hear this and that will take this seriously because i really want to face them it not only would be an honor and a privilege to uh, i really think we could uh we could have a great match First one is Madman Pondo, of course. Second one is uh, Chance Prophet. I know he coached me and he trained me, and he probably knows all my moves. And you know, I, I, I'm a big underdog there, but I, I don't give a damn. I, I want Chance Prophet this year. Yeah. Dylan McQueen, I love what you're doing. I mean, I follow you. I, I, I wish you tremendous success. But at the same time, I'm wishing you get your ass kicked by Handsome Nick Hamrick in 2023. Stephen Meeks, everybody needs to check this kid out. The psychedelic uh, dream. He he is awesome. I mean, he just go check him out. The stuff that he's doing is, is original. I love it. And... You know, it would just be, I think, his style, his finesse in the ring, I think we could really, you know, bring down the house. I think we could have a great match. And last but not least, Kerry Morton. Kerry, I've been on a show with your dad, um, you know, get, getting ready to possibly be on another show with him coming up. I hope you're there. 
you know, I've met you. Uh, I I love that you had just won the NWA, was it the uh, junior heavyweight title? I, I really just uh, I would love to kick your ass. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. You, you got a good smile and everything, and you know you you know you're just the perfect baby face, and and I'm the perfect heel, so. You know, it, it would just be a perfect situation to get you in a ring and just baffle that pretty smile into the mat. And that, that that's all i got to say. Well, gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I want to thank both of you for taking time to be here. Best of luck next week on the show, and as you continue onwards in your career, and hopefully some of those names will respond pretty quickly and sign the dotted line to face you. We'll see. Um, I hope so, too. All right, fans, if you see that you're near a show that's going to have handsome Nick Hamrick and his manager, A. Dick Vickers, go buy a ticket, support what they do, Maybe pick up a T-shirt if you're at the merchandise table near them. We will be back with you next week. Uh, Coming up Sunday 1st, as we continue Hall of Fame month, we will have Princess Victoria as we close out Hall of Fame month. And one week from this very day, all the way from England, we will have Preston Churchill, great competitor that applies his trade mainly in the Midwest. We will talk to him next week. Everybody stay safe out there. Get out, support your local independent wrestling, wherever it may be, and we will talk to you soon.